Question 24, Part 1 of Summa Theologica Secunda Secundae, Treatise on the Theological Virtues, The Virtue of Charity. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Summa Theologica Secunda Secundae, Treatise on the Theological Virtues. The Virtue of Charity, by St. Thomas Aquinas, translated by the Fathers of the English Dominican Province. Question 24 of the Subject of Charity in Twelve Articles. Part 1, Articles 1 through 6. We must now consider charity in relation to its subject, under which head there are twelve points of inquiry. First, whether charity is in the will as in its subject. Second, whether charity is caused in man by preceding acts or by a divine infusion. Third, whether it is infused according to the capacity of our natural gifts. Fourth, whether it increases in the person who has it. Fifth, whether it increases by addition. Sixth, whether it increases by every act. Seventh, whether it increases indefinitely. Eighth, whether the charity of a wayfarer can be perfect. Ninth, of the various degrees of charity. Tenth, whether charity can diminish. Eleventh, whether charity can be lost after it has been possessed. Twelfth, whether it is lost through one mortal sin. First article, whether the will is the subject of charity. Objection 1. It would seem that the will is not the subject of charity. For charity is a kind of love. Now according to the philosopher, in topics 2-3, love is in the concupiscible part therefore charity is also in the concupiscible and not in the will objection to further charity is the foremost of the virtues as stated above in question twenty three article six but the reason is the subject of virtue therefore it seems that charity is in the reason and not in the will. Objection 3. Further, charity extends to all human acts, according to 1 Corinthians 16.14. Let all your things be done in charity. Now the principle of human acts is the free will. Therefore, it seems that charity is chiefly in the free will as its subject, and not in the will. On the contrary, the object of charity is the good, which is also the object of the will. Therefore, charity is in the will as in its subject. I answer that, since, as stated in the first part, question 80, article 2, the appetite is twofold, namely the sensitive and the intellective, which is called the will 
the object of each is the good but in different ways for the object of the sensitive appetite is a good apprehended by sense whereas the object of the intellective appetite or will is good under the universal aspect of good according as it can be apprehended by the intellect now the object of charity is not a sensible good but the divine good which is known by the intellect alone therefore the subject of charity is not the sensitive but the intellective appetite that is the will reply to objection one the concupiscible is a part of the sensitive not of the intellective appetite as proved in the first part question eighty one article two wherefore the love which is in the concupiscible is the love of sensible good nor can the concupiscible reach to the divine good which is an intelligible good the will alone can consequently the concupiscible cannot be the subject of charity reply to objection two according to the philosopher in on the soul three nine the will also is in the reason wherefore charity is not excluded from the reason through being in the will yet charity is regulated not by the reason as human virtues are but by god's wisdom and transcends the rule of human reason according to ephesians three nineteen the charity of christ which surpasseth all knowledge hence it is not in the reason either as its subject like prudence is or as its rule like justice and temperance are but only by a certain kinship of the will to reason reply to objection three as stated in the first part question eighty three article four the free will is not a distinct power from the will yet charity is not in the will considered as free will the act of which is to choose for choice is of things directed to the end whereas the will is of the end itself according to ethics three two hence charity whose object is the last end should be described as residing in the will rather than in the free will second article whether charity is caused in us by infusion objection one it would seem that charity is not caused in us by infusion for that which is common to all creatures is in man naturally now according to dionysius in on the divine names for the divine good which is the object of charity is for all an object of delection and love therefore charity is in us naturally and not by infusion objection to further the more lovable a thing is the easier it is to love it now god is supremely lovable since he is supremely good therefore it is easier to love him than other things 
but we need no infused habit in order to love other things neither therefore do we need one in order to love god objection three further the apostle says in first timothy one five the end of the commandment is charity from a pure heart and a good conscience and an unfeigned faith now these three have reference to human acts therefore charity is caused in us from preceding acts and not from infusion on the contrary the apostle says in romans five five the charity of god is poured forth in our hearts by the holy ghost who is given to us i answer that as stated above in question twenty three article one charity is a friendship of man for god founded upon the fellowship of everlasting happiness now this fellowship is in respect not of natural but of gratuitous gifts for according to romans six twenty three the grace of god is life everlasting wherefore charity itself surpasses our natural facilities now that which surpasses the faculty of nature cannot be natural or acquired by the natural powers since a natural effect does not transcend its cause therefore charity can be in us neither naturally nor through acquisition by the natural powers but by the infusion of the holy ghost who is the love of the father and the son and the participation of whom in us is created charity as stated above in question twenty three article two reply to objection one dionysius is speaking of the love of god which is founded on the fellowship of natural goods wherefore it is in all naturally on the other hand charity is founded on a supernatural fellowship so the comparison fails reply to objection to just as god is supremely knowable in himself yet not to us on account of a defect in our knowledge which depends on sensible things so too god is supremely lovable in himself inasmuch as he is the object of happiness but he is not supremely lovable to us in this way on account of the inclination of our appetite towards visible goods hence it is evident that for us to love god above all things in this way it is necessary that charity be infused into our hearts reply to objection three when it is said that in us charity proceeds from a pure heart and a good conscience and an unfeigned faith this must be referred to the act of charity which is aroused by these things or again this is said because the aforesaid acts dispose man to receive the infusion of charity the same remark applies to the saying of augustine in his commentary on the first letter of john tract nine fear leads to charity and of a gloss on matthew one two faith begets hope 
and hope charity third article whether charity is infused according to the capacity of our natural gifts objection one it would seem that charity is infused according to the capacity of our natural gifts for it is written in matthew twenty five fifteen that he gave to everyone according to his own virtue now in man none but natural virtue precedes charity since there is no virtue without charity as stated above in question twenty three article seven therefore god infuses charity into man according to the measure of his natural virtue objection to further among things ordained towards one another the second is proportionate to the first thus we find in natural things that the form is proportionate to the matter and in gratuitous gifts that glory is proportionate to grace now since charity is a perfection of nature it is compared to the capacity of nature as second to first therefore it seems that charity is infused according to the capacity of nature objection three further men and angels partake of happiness according to the same measure since happiness is alike in both according to matthew twenty two thirty and luke twenty thirty six now charity and other gratuitous gifts are bestowed on the angels according to their natural capacity as the master teaches in the sentences two d three therefore the same apparently applies to man on the contrary it is written in john three eight the spirit breatheth where he will and in first corinthians twelve eleven all these things one and the same spirit worketh dividing to every one according as he will therefore charity is given not according to our natural capacity but according as the spirit wills to distribute his gifts i answer that the quantity of a thing depends on the proper cause of that thing since the more universal cause produces a greater effect now since charity surpasses the proportion of human nature as stated above in article two it depends not on any natural virtue but on the sole grace of the holy ghost who infuses charity wherefore the quantity of charity depends neither on the condition of nature nor on the capacity of natural virtue but only on the will of the holy ghost who divides his gifts according as he will hence the apostle says in ephesians four seven to every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the giving of christ reply to objection one the virtue in accordance with which god gives his gifts to each one is a disposition or previous preparation or effort of the one who receives grace but the holy ghost forestalls 
even this disposition or effort by moving man's mind either more or less according as he will wherefore the apostle says in colossians one twelve who hath made us worthy to be partakers of the lot of the saints in light. Reply to Objection 2. The form does not surpass the proportion of the matter. In like manner, grace and glory are referred to the same genus, for grace is nothing else than a beginning of glory in us. But charity and nature do not belong to the same genus, so that the comparison fails. Reply to Objection 3. The angels is an intellectual nature, and it is consistent with his condition that he should be born wholly whithersoever he is born, as stated in the first part, question 61, article 6. Hence there was a greater effort in the higher angels both for good in those who persevered, and for evil in those who fell, and consequently those of the higher angels who remained steadfast became better than the others, and those who fell became worse. But man's is a rational nature, with which it is consistent to be sometimes in potentiality and sometimes in act, so that it is not necessarily born wholly whithersoever it is born, and where there are greater natural gifts, there may be less effort, and vice versa. Thus the comparison fails. Fourth article, Whether Charity Can Increase Objection 1. It would seem that charity cannot increase. For nothing increases save what has quantity. Now quantity is twofold, namely demensive and virtual. The former does not befit charity, which is a spiritual perfection, while virtual quantity regards the objects in respect of which charity does not increase, since the slightest charity loves all that is to be loved out of charity. Therefore, charity does not increase. Objection to, further, that which consists in something extreme receives no increase. But charity consists in something extreme, being the greatest of the virtues, and the supreme love of the greatest good. Therefore, charity cannot increase. Objection 3. Further, increase is a kind of movement. Therefore, wherever there is increase, there is movement. And if there be increase of essence, there is movement of essence. Now there is no movement of essence, save either by corruption or generation. Therefore, charity cannot increase essentially, unless it happen to be generated anew or corrupted, which is unreasonable. On the contrary, Augustine says in his commentary on the Gospel of John, Tract 74, Charity merits increase, that by increase 
it may merit perfection. I answer that. The charity of a wayfarer can increase. For we are called wayfarers by reason of our being on the way to God, who is the last end of our happiness. In this way, we advance as we get nigh to God, who is approached not by steps of the body, but by the affections of the soul, according to St. Augustine in his commentary on John, tract 32. And this approach is the result of charity, since it unites man's mind to God. Consequently, it is essential to the charity of a wayfarer that it can increase, for if it could not, all further advance along the way would cease. Hence the Apostle calls charity the way, when he says in 1 Corinthians 12.31, I show unto you yet a more excellent way. Reply to Objection 1. Charity is not subject to demensive, but only to virtual quantity. And the latter depends not only on the number of objects, namely whether they be in greater number or of greater excellence, but also on the intensity of the act, namely whether a thing is loved more or less. It is in this way that the virtual quantity of charity increases. Reply to Objection 2. Charity consists in an extreme with regard to its object, insofar as its object is the supreme good, and from this it follows that charity is the most excellent of the virtues. Yet not every charity consists in an extreme, as regards the intensity of the act. Reply to Objection 3. Some have said that charity does not increase in its essence, but only as to its radication in its subject, or according to its fervor. But these people did not know what they were talking about. For since charity is an accident, its being is to be in something, so that an essential increase of charity means nothing else but that it is yet more in its subject, which implies a greater radication in its subject. Furthermore, charity is essentially a virtue ordained to act, so that an essential increase of charity implies ability to produce an act of more fervent love. Hence charity increases, essentially, not by beginning anew or ceasing to be in its subject, as the objection imagines, but by beginning to be more and more in its subject. Fifth article, whether charity increases by addition. Objection 1. It would seem that charity increases by addition. For just as increase may be in respect of bodily quantity, so may it be according to virtual quantity. Now increase in bodily quantity results from addition, for the philosopher says in on generation one five that increase is addition to pre-existing magnitude 
Therefore, the increase of charity, which is according to virtual quantity, is by addition. Objection to Further, charity is a kind of spiritual light in the soul, according to 1 John 2.10. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light. Now light increases in the air by addition. Thus the light in a house increases when another candle is lit. Therefore, charity also increases in the soul by addition. Objection 3. Further, the increase of charity is God's work, even as the causing of it, according to 2 Corinthians 9.10. He will increase the growth of the fruits of your justice. Now when God first infuses charity, he puts something in the soul that was not there before. Therefore also, when he increases charity, he puts something there which is not there before. Therefore, charity increases by addition. On the contrary, charity is a simple form. Now nothing greater results from the addition of one simple thing to another, as proved in Physics 3, text 59, and in Metaphysics 2, 4. Therefore, charity does not increase by addition. I answer that. Every addition is of something to something else, so that in every addition we must at least presuppose that the things added together are distinct before the addition. Consequently, if charity be added to charity, the added charity must be presupposed as distinct from charity, to which it is added, not necessarily by a distinction of reality, but at least by a distinction of thought. For God is able to increase a bodily quantity by adding a magnitude which did not exist before, but was created at that very moment, which magnitude, though not pre-existent in reality, is nevertheless capable of being distinguished from the quantity to which it is added. Wherefore, if charity be added to charity, we must presuppose the distinction, at least logical, of the one charity from the other. Now distinction among forms is twofold, specific and numeric. Specific distinction of habits follows diversity of objects, while numeric distinction follows distinction of subjects. Consequently, a habit may receive increase through extending to objects to which it did not extend before. Thus the science of geometry increases in one who acquires knowledge of geometrical matters which he ignored hitherto. But this cannot be said of charity, for even the slightest charity extends to all that we have to love by charity. Hence the addition which causes an increase of charity cannot be understood as though the added charity were presupposed to be distinct specifically from that to which it is added. It follows, therefore, that if charity be added to charity, 
we must presuppose a numerical distinction between them, which follows a distinction of subjects. Thus whiteness receives an increase when one white thing is added to another, although such an increase does not make a thing whiter. This, however, does not apply to the case in point, since the subject of charity is none other than the rational mind, so that such like an increase of charity could only take place by one rational mind being added to another, which is impossible. Moreover, even if it were possible, the result would be a greater lover, but not a more loving one. It follows, therefore, that charity can by no means increase by addition of charity to charity, as some have held to be the case. Accordingly, charity increases only by its subject partaking of charity more and more subject thereto. For this is the proper mode of increase in a form that is intensified, since the being of such a form consists wholly in its adhering to its subject. Consequently, since the magnitude of a thing follows on its being, to say that a form is greater is the same as to say that it is more in its subject, and not that another form is added to it. For this would be the case if the form of itself had any quantity, and not in comparison with its subject. Therefore, charity increases by being intensified in its subject, and this is for charity to increase in its essence, and not by charity being added to charity. Reply to Objection 1. Bodily quantity has something as quantity, and something else insofar as it is an accidental form. As quantity, it is distinguished in respect of position or number, and in this way we have the increase of magnitude by addition, as may be seen in animals. But in so far as it is an accidental form, it is distinguishable only in respect of its subject, and in this way it has its proper increase like other accidental forms, by way of intensity in its subject, for instance in things subject to rarefaction, as is proved in Physics 4.9. In like manner, science, as a habit, has its quantity from its objects, and accordingly it increases by addition, when a man knows more things. And again, as an accidental form, it has a certain quantity through being in its subject, and in this way it increases in a man who knows the same scientific truths with greater certainty now than before. In the same way, charity has a twofold quantity, but with regard to that which it has from its object, it does not increase, as stated above. Hence it follows that it increases solely by being intensified. Reply to Objection 2. The addition of light to light can be understood through the light being intensified in the air on account of there being several luminaries giving light. But this distinction does not apply to the case in point, since there is but one luminary shedding forth the light of charity. 
Reply to Objection 3. The infusion of charity denotes a change to the state of having charity from the state of not having it, so that something must needs come which was not there before. On the other hand, the increase of charity denotes a change to more having from less having, so that there is need not for anything to be there that was not there before, but for something to be more there that previously was less there. This is what God does when he increases charity, that is, he makes it to have a greater hold on the soul, and the likeness of the Holy Ghost to be more perfectly participated by the soul. Sixth Article Whether Charity Increases Through Every Act of Charity Objection 1. It would seem that charity increases through every act of charity. For that which can do what is more, can do what is less. But every act of charity can merit everlasting life, and this is more than a simple addition of charity, since it includes the perfection of charity. Much more, therefore, does every act of charity increase charity. Objection to. Further, just as the habits of acquired virtue are engendered by acts, so too an increase of charity is caused by an act of charity. Now each virtuous act conduces to the engendering of virtue. Therefore, also each virtuous act of charity conduces to the increase of charity. Objection 3. Further, Gregory says that to stand still in the way of God is to go back, as quoted in St. Bernard's second sermon for the Feast of the Purification. Now no man goes back when he is moved by an act of charity. Therefore, whoever is moved by an act of charity goes forward in the way to God. Therefore, charity increases through every act of charity. On the contrary, the effect does not surpass the power of its cause. But an act of charity is sometimes done with tepidity or slackness. Therefore, it does not conduce to a more excellent charity. Rather, does it dispose one to a lower degree. I answer that. The spiritual increase of charity is somewhat like the increase of a body. Now bodily increase in animals and plants is not a continuous movement, so that, to wit, if a thing increase so much in so much time, it need to increase proportionally in each part of that time, as happens in local movement. But for a certain space of time, nature works by disposing for the increase, without causing any actual increase and afterwards brings into effect that to which it had disposed, by giving the animal or plant an actual increase. In like manner, charity does not actually increase through every act of charity, but each act of charity disposes to an increase of charity, 
insofar as one act of charity makes man more ready to act again according to charity and this readiness increasing man breaks out into an act of more fervent love and strives to advance in charity and then his charity increases actually reply to objection one every act of charity merits everlasting life which however is not to be bestowed then and there but at its proper time in like manner every act of charity merits an increase of charity yet this increase does not take place at once but when we strive for that increase reply to objection to even when an acquired virtue is being engendered each act does not complete the formation of the virtue but conduces towards that effect by disposing to it while the last act which is the most perfect and acts in virtue of all those that preceded it reduces to the virtue into act just as when many drops hollow out a stone reply to objection three man advances in the way to god not merely by actual increase of charity but also by being disposed to that increase end of question twenty four Read by Michael Shane Craig Lambert, L.C.